When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. fans and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt, Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a ton of football news to get to. It's been a busy week for the Badgers this week. Um, we've got some news on the recruiting front. We've got some new players entering in for the transfer portal. We've got some players transferring out. We've got position changes. we got a little bit of everything on the football side of things to get to uh, after a busy week. Of course, National Signing Day. Most of it was done in the early period, but there was some changes in the uh, late period that we'll certainly get to and recap. After that, we've got uh, some basketball to talk about. Unfortunately for Wisconsin, not their greatest game of the season. Uh, tough loss to Illinois. Couldn't buy a three-pointer to save their lives. And then Kobe Colburn just continues to show why he's one of the best big men in the country and, and gave Wisconsin some fits. So we'll get into everything from that as well. Um, so it should be a fun and full episode on both the football and basketball side. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, uh, the, the basketball game last night uh, obviously didn't go in Wisconsin's favor, but I thought overall um, you look at signing day, the fact that there was no bad news I think was a, a really nice thing, and it was nice to see that they officially announced some transfers as well. So overall um, – you, the Badger basketball team, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, especially with how tough it is to win on the road in the Big Ten. Absolutely. It's a tough environment, despite uh, I know Champaign got quite a bit of snow before the game, but it seems like the crowd showed up and, and certainly made it more difficult on Wisconsin. And when you can't you can't buy a bucket, makes it even tougher. But we'll get into all the basketball in the back half of the show. But before we do that, we'll, we'll touch, on, touch on some football news. The, I guess the one bad news of the week that you can really talk about is uh, uh, Caleb Williams, of course, considered Wisconsin, did announce that he's going to be transferred to USC. I guess we don't need to spend a lot of time here. Anyone who's listening has been following that saga and, and knows Wisconsin wasn't the winner. So what more can you really say? But uh, anything to add from uh, that whole situation in and, and the last month with how that all kind of played out? No, I mean, I, I think we both mentioned that this was probably the most likely outcome. Uh, it, it ended up trending that way. In the end, I know it was a fun couple weeks worth of craziness, but but in the end, it, it, the fit does make sense for him to head west to, to USC. But I, I think now it's it's just making sure that 
Uh, Wisconsin's in a good spot quarterback-wise. I know Graham Mertz is going to be the guy. I just don't see a scenario where he's not unless a different transfer winds up coming in, which I don't see happening at this juncture. But um, I'm also excited to see some of the development behind him as well, see if anybody can push Chase Wolf, because I think this is Graham Mertz's team, and and, uh, he needs to have a a big offseason as well, uh, just like the rest of this offense, because there's a lot of changes that need to be done. Yeah, I know everyone certainly got excited about the potential of, of Caleb Williams, and rightfully so. He, he's been a player that you know, produced in, you know, didn't get a ton of run at Oklahoma. It was kind of back and forth with Spencer Rattler, but was a player that was a, a super high caliber, so it makes a ton of sense But uh, that, that Wisconsin fans would get excited. But at, at the end of the day, I still think you have plenty to be excited about with this team. Um, you, you've got Braylon Allen back, which is always a good part. We, we've talked about Bobby Ingram. Each episode, we know what he can maybe bring to this offense, and, and hopefully Graham Mertz can maybe put a chip on his shoulder a little bit after, you know, uh, this this offseason with all the rumors going around in regards to uh, another player and bringing someone in. There's no doubt that Graham Mertz saw some of that and, and will hopefully try to respond and then have a bigger year. He knows his play needs to be better. He knows that's kind of why Wisconsin is probably out there and, and looking to take their chance there, but... Um, now that the dust is all kind of settled, we'll see if he can have his uh, little revenge season, hopefully bounce back and, and have a good year because he's got all the talent in the world in that arm. It hasn't quite shown quite yet, but uh, there's still uh, a ton of potential with him, and, and I'm excited to see him get the opportunity. I know uh, that sounds like a Paul Chris cliche when I say it, but uh, it, it'll be fun to watch him and, and see what he can do um, to, despite all of the struggles he's had the last couple of years. Absolutely. All right, up next, maybe part of this whole Bobby Ingram, Caleb Williams <laughs> kind of saga is uh, Dean Ingram. They announced when they during the announcement of uh, Bobby Ingram as the offensive coordinator, it was let out in the post that Dean Ingram is going to be moving to wide receiver. So another little interesting caveat from that, it I, I think it makes a ton of sense when you look at the wide receiver room. You're looking for some explosiveness. Dean Ingram's a guy that is incredibly athletic. If you've seen any of his high school tape. Caleb Williams is the guy throwing it to him, and those two had quite the connection in the wide receiver room. He was also, I think, a really good corner, so maybe it stinks a little bit for that room, but you've seen in this offseason Wisconsin has brought in multiple corners, so you maybe feel better about that and making that shift. So are you at all surprised? What did you make of Dean Ingram moving over to the wideout spot? Yeah, I, I think this is uh, a move that probably stems from wanting to be coached by your dad, right? Like, I, I think that's a, such a cool opportunity that um, switching sides of the ball to be able to be coached by your dad makes sense. Uh, he, he's going to be entering his junior year here, so he, he's still kind of in the middle of his college career. So I think it's going to be a, a fun um, move to track just because I think Wisconsin doesn't necessarily have, other than Stephon Bracey, a true slot receiver mm-hmm. where you look to and you're like, that guy is a slot receiver um, through and through. Dean Ingram maybe gives them that. Uh, he's he's undersized at only about 5'9", 170, but you, you saw glimpses of what he can do, and he he showed his hands against Northwestern and when he got that interception. Um, it, it, I think it's pretty telling that they were they felt willing to take a guy who – was probably your top returning defensive or uh, cornerback um, after playing in all 13 games and, and starting most as the nickel to, to shift him over and, and to your wide receiver room where you don't have any experience really other than Shimre DK. You're, you're trying to really overhaul the entire position room. So I think that Wisconsin, you know, wants to thinks they can get him on the field 
as a wide receiver, and they, they must feel really good about the three transfer corners that they brought in. So overall, move makes sense. I, I think it, it definitely could be a sting to the future growth of that cornerback room, but they must not only feel confident next year, but also with, behind um, him with some of the other guys in that room and what they could do because because all three of those transfers are all seniors. So they must also feel like there's some guys waiting in the wings that should be able to step up as well, or they're going to be kind of recycling the portal once again um, in in 2023. Yeah, that's always a possibility as well. It's an interesting caveat to this whole switch. I mean, I think it does give you something nice in the wide receiver room if if Dean Ingram translates to be the athletic type of wideout that we can see on, like I said, in this high school tape. And, and clearly, yeah, they feel cor- they feel really good about the cornerbacks that they brought in. And, and like you said, with these guys being you know older guys, one year of eligibility, it buys you uh, a year. And then either the young guys behind in that cornerback room, you know, like a Ricardo Hallman, um, need to step up, or otherwise it's going to be maybe it's a position where they're going to contra- continue to try at least bring in depth in uh, in the transfer portal. And that's just a whole new layer of, of ways to look at a position where sometimes you can look and say, man, we are, you're worth in at this spot. And in years past, you wouldn't really know if you had a solution there. You were just kind of filling it through the recruiting class and, and trying to find some pieces that would work there. With this transfer portal, it's a whole new ball game where you can go out there and pick up two, three corners at a time <laughs> if you're looking for them. So it's kind of the Wild West still, and I think Wisconsin's doing a good job of being active in that portal and picking up those spots. But um, I, I think this will certainly be an interesting transition between the two spots of what to watch. And I'm excited to see what Dean Ingram can possibly do at the wideout spot because he is a, he is a, you know, I think a really athletic kid and, and hopefully it works out um, for him to transition over there. Yeah. I mean, the bloodlines are there for him to be a good wide receiver. Dad, first ever Blitnikoff award winner um, and uh, played in the NFL for a long time. So it, you would think that uh, dad knows a thing or two about a wide receiver position. So Maybe this is a move that really kind of sparks him in his career and, and also could really be beneficial to the Wisconsin offense considering they they really have been recruiting these bigger athletic wide receivers. Um, he kind of zigs while the rest of the group is zagging under uh, Elvis Witted. All right, our next piece of news. Speaking of the wide receiver room, wide receiver A.J. Abbott has announced his intentions to enter the transfer portal. Uh, we, we just talked about it, you know, with this move kind of coinciding with some other younger guys kind of probably being, you know, you look at it, Marcus Allen, Skylar Bell, maybe even a guy that's going to be up there competing with A.J. Abbott. Now you've got Dean Ingram there as well. Probably would have ran at different spots, but uh, him announcing the, the transfer portal, I guess, doesn't surprise me all that much when you just look at the wide receiver room and what they kind of have and, and the way his career at Wisconsin has kind of gone. So what did you uh, make of that piece of news? You knew somebody was leaving, <laughs> just based off of the sheer fact that they've been throwing um, numbers at the wide receiver position. You look at going ahead, and I know we're going to talk about Chris Brooks Jr. here in a second, but you look at three scholarship incoming wide receivers, a walk-on wide receiver from Middleton, a transfer wide receiver that you're bringing in from UCLA in Keontas Lewis, and then you're also switching over Dean Ingram. That's a lot of new bodies to a, a wider receiver wide receiver position that has a, a ton of unproven talent beyond Chimray DK. And, and I think that it, it, at this point, 
you 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 saw AJ Abbott kind of show flashes early in his career, but it just hasn't materialized. He didn't bring the consistency that you would hope for. I know that that was something that Ted Gilmore talked about. It, it appears because he didn't see the field that much this past year, especially the last six games. Uh, of the schedule that he he didn't necessarily still bring that um, because we saw Jack Dunn, Chimray Dike, you saw some of the true freshman wide receivers get get uh, playing time above him as well. I think it, it speaks to that hey it, it's probably best for both parties for for him to move on and, and hopefully he can find uh, you know a, a place to play that's going to kind of better fit his skill set because. You look at it, it's, it was a, definitely a miss, that recruiting class mm-hmm. with Abbott and Mustafa, um, both players ending up transferring out and not really having too much of an impact on, on the program, which is tough to see. Um, and, and I know that, that uh, Wisconsin is going to be fine in the long run, but, but six incoming wide receivers kind of tells you the story. They're, they're trying to really um, overhaul and change things in that room and, and uh, give Grammar some weapons to throw to. Yeah, I, I, that was my first thought when you talk about him transferring out is, is Taj Mustafa and A.J. Abbott, guys that, you know, two years ago when we were kind of doing this podcast offseason, those were the guys that were kind of next in line to step up and, and be part of that wide receiver room, and it just never really flourished from there for those guys. So hopefully he can go uh, to another place and, and, like I said, catch on, find a, a home, and, and, and make an impact. You know, anytime you have these transfers out of Wisconsin, you still want to see them. Uh, have success at whatever, wherever they end up. So Michigan kid, maybe he ends up back in in, in a smaller school. The a Mac, you know, the Mac has always been uh, a place where Big Ten, you know, Big Ten players have have ended up if they try to go somewhere else if they're not looking at the high Power Five level. Uh, so hopefully he can go and land on his feet and make an impact somewhere because he he's been a player that's been a part of UW for a long time. You want to see him have success. So all right, up next. Since we've kind of talked about it already, we've talked about Dean Ingram, A.J. Abbott going out, the other guys coming in, let's just kind of break down this wide receiver depth chart. We finished up the defense uh, earlier in the week, and now we're into the offensive side of things. So let's go ahead and, and start on this offensive side, and we'll start with the wide receiver room. Like I said, a ton of new faces going to be in that room. A lot of faces, you know, of course you got Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, Jack Dunn out, so you needed to fill it with somebody. And Wisconsin certainly made that an off-season focus and brought in quite a few names. But before we get into next year, we'll talk about this past year. Overall, I would say probably the consensus from a lot of Badger fans is that the wide receiver room kind of had a disappointing year. When you look at Danny Davis was in flashes, really good. And when he when he got his opportunities, some few catches that will stand out. Kendrick Pryor, same thing. Jack Dunn did what he can when he was out there, a guy that played a lot of snaps. But overall, I think you really wanted more from this wide receiver room. And, of course, part of that is you needed a little bit more from the quarterback room and quarterback play with Graham Mertz. So it's it's twofold in that way. There's two ways to, to skin this kind of, <laughs> skin this cat. But what did you make of this past year uh, in the wide receiver room after, you know, I think a lot of offseason expectations expecting this group to be pretty solid? Yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line is, Wisconsin ranked in nearly 120th in passing offense, and um, you, you, that's not good enough. Um, a lot of that's going to fall on wide receivers. A lot of that's going to fall on quarterback. A lot of it's going to fall on scheme. There was a whole host of different things. The offensive line in pass pro wasn't always perfect. So I think overall it was just a bad year for the passing game. I, I definitely think that that translates to – some of the issues we saw from the wide receiver position where there was miscommunication. There was times when the wide receivers 
were unable to just make the plays that when you needed them. There was also times where they didn't necessarily have the opportunity to. Um, but I think you saw glimpses, continued glimpses from Tim Radike that make you excited about his future, um, especially as the season wore on. Um, I, I thought there, there was times in the year that they went away from him, and, and which was kind of puzzling. You, you saw, though, that he does have some dynamic capability when you go with him. Um, and then I also think that beyond those those top three, you also saw some of the younger guys get involved late in the year, which is what you want to see. Um, Marcus Allen, Skylar Bell, both having catches in the bowl game after really not playing much all year long. That was Skylar Bell's only game of the year. Marcus Allen played in three, um, but was able to kind of make an impact in both the Rutgers and Arizona State games later in the year. Um, which I think talk, speaks to the development that Elvis Whitted might have brought to this group. Um, but, but really, overall, I, I don't think there's any way you can say that um, the wide receiver room was a, a success last season just based off of the fact that their, their top four wide receivers really just didn't get the job done. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. But at the same time, there were opportunities that Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, um, Jack Dunn, for example, could have could have made that just they didn't weren't able to make them happen. Yeah, I think there were were certainly opportunities as you as you kind of mentioned, and we'll see. You know, we'll look back at this group with with probably wanting more, and I think as you mentioned, that's kind of a culmination of the entire passing game. Uh, but certainly, any way you look at it, it's a down year, and I think this group would tell you that too. I mean, Dan and Davis probably expected more. I mean, the the best football of his career was early in his career, and I know he wanted to get back to that level. Part of that, again, is the quarterback play, but just never really got back there. So overall, this passive game, we know they, it needs an overhaul. It needs to be better in all phases, but it, certainly you have to look at, and, and the wide receivers have to take some responsibility of that. And, and you know, everybody is has a little portion that they have to take responsibility for, and that group is no different. So I'm interested to see, as we look kind of to the future here now with Chimray DK, Marcus Allen, some of these younger guys, how they kind of respond and, and how they'll like look kind of different in this new offense. So I guess there's a ton of new names that we've already kind of talked about. If you were to say right now, going into next year, if you were going to run out there in a wide, uh, three wide out set, who are the three guys that you think would be kind of getting the first snaps in in those three kind of starter positions, quote unquote? It starts with Chimari DK. He, he's by far your most proven commodity out there. Um, beyond him, I think it's a toss-up. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of different ways that Elvis Wooded could go here. And I think that it will be um, adjustable based off of personnel, like just based off of the formation type, what you're attempting to do in the play. I, I think we'll see a lot more rotating in with guys. Like this past year, you really saw that core group that just kind of, Top four were basically the only ones used. You you really didn't see them going beyond that, um, which is why a guy like AJ Abbott might have been frustrated and transferred out. Which is why a guy you look at some of those freshmen that think see the field, um, they're looking to kind of make a bigger impact this upcoming year. But I think that it's DK is is your one beyond him. I would imagine that Marcus Allen and um, Keontes Lewis probably rotate in as probably your twos. Um, both bigger guys that can that can help you out outside. Um, and then I, I think that Dean Ingram has to be in the conversation. So I would think those four are where you start from. I, I do think that um, you could see Skylar Bell work his way in there, but I really think 
that's kind of where you start is those five are probably who you're going to um, give the first cracks to. Uh, you never know if a guy like maybe Isaac Smith, who who really knows where he's at. We just didn't see him much in fall camp. We haven't really seen the development from him yet. Um, how he translates into this, how do any of those freshmen kind of are, can a guy like Tommy McIntosh get involved or Vinny Anthony? But really, I think those five are going to rotate a ton with, with really the only consistent presence in my eyes going to be um, DK. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think those are the guys you would start with. You know, DK's, like you said, the, the most proven commodity. I think he's a really special player that Wisconsin's going to be looking to as the go-to guy, especially when you when – we'll talk about the tight end room at some point, but you're not going to have Jake Ferguson, so you're going to have to find that, that new go-to guy. And I think Shimmer DK could certainly fit that mold. Dean Ingram in, in maybe that slot position, like we said earlier, there really isn't another guy that you can look to right now and say he's going to be a really dynamic slot player, so he's got first crack at, at making that happen. Jantas Lewis, a bigger guy with Marcus Allen, I, I think those two could rotate well, and I'm excited to see kind of the competition to see who ends up and and getting into you know a little bit more snaps compared to those two because those guys are probably competing for you know a, a similar wideouts you know type of role. You know, there's not really a, necessarily a established starter. You're gonna have a group that you work in and, and rotate with, and if a guy's playing well, he's gonna probably get some more snaps. So. It's going to be a, a wait and feel and, and feel it out kind of um, room in the wideout room, which is nice because over the last few years, you haven't necessarily had that. You haven't necessarily had the depth in that room to feel comfortable giving other guys a shot. So hopefully they can develop some of these new faces uh, into being consistent and, and productive players for them. So on, on the defense, we talked a lot about competitions. I think you're going to see the same thing at the wide receiver room, and it should be a fun group to watch because it's all of a sudden an influx of so many new um, and young faces. Yeah, the simple fact that we really haven't seen a lot of these guys is going to make spring ball and fall camp really exciting for the wide receiver position. And I think that Dean Ingram's got to be a guy that factors in at some component because you're you're taking him from a spot that he's playing a ton to over to the offensive side of the ball. I don't think they make that move lightly. Um, but but I do think Skyler Bell is a wild card as a guy who could who could potentially surprise folks and and grab one of the early spots and a ton of playing time, despite maybe being a lower-rated recruit and maybe not having some of the hype of a guy like Marcus Allen, who I also think is on on pace to, to have a big year. Absolutely. All right, so the wide receiver room will be fun to watch. We'll talk a little bit. we got a little bit more wide receiver to talk about here in just a minute. But before we get into all the signing day stuff, I have to talk to you guys about home field apparel. Uh, home field apparel is in the middle of big new Saturday season three. So make sure you go over and check them out. They dropped Gonzaga, their new newest school, last weekend. They've got South Carolina coming up this weekend. So if you guys are still interested in signing up for Big New Saturday, they are still doing that deal. So instead of a regular $32 cost of a T-shirt, it's now down to twenty or $20, and you will get uh, the next, I believe, six T-shirts left in this launch if you sign up today. So make sure to go over to homefieldapparel.com, check them out. Also give a look at their Wisconsin selection. They've got a ton of great Badger shirts, T-shirts, everything that you can look for for the Wisconsin fan in your life, maybe yourself, maybe someone else, maybe you got some birthdays coming up. I know the holiday season has come and gone, but you can still find some good gifts for um, yourself or someone else at homefieldapparel.com. All right, we'll go ahead and get into signing day now. It's been a... Crazy week in terms of guys coming in. We've had the transfers going out. We've got position <laughs> switches. Um, but four players that ended up will being new faces for Wisconsin. We'll start with walk-on Gabe Kirschke, 
Um, a player that overall, in terms of recruitment, not a lot in terms of 247. A guy that has some potential to, I, I think, work into something. Big frame kid, you know, recruited by Rastalaji, likely a, a defensive line type of kid, but not super well known uh, outside of what what he saw. So likely Kalaji saw something in this kid that uh, really stood out to him. But what do you make of uh, a player like him taking that walk-on spot in Gabe Kirschke? I think it's a really good get. Um, anytime you're going with walk-ons, a lot of times what you're doing is you're 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 taking guys with upside um, and and the frame to kind of fill out. And you look at Kirsky, he's a guy that's six five, two twenty five right now, easily could pack on um, twenty five, fifty pounds and, and throw him along the defensive line. Um, he had some offers, uh, some some Division one offers. You're looking at New Mexico. State, um, and then some FCS offers, but but he also had an, an in-state walk-on opportunity at Colorado, spurring them to come to Wisconsin, which I, I think is is telling about what he sees um, as his potential with the Badgers. Um, his dad actually played in the NFL with Ross Kalaji, which I think is probably what kind of tilted things in Wisconsin's favor. But any anytime you can get a, a kid who's who's um, father played in the NFL, and he's got the, the the measurables that you would want traditionally for even possibly a scholarship guy to get him as a walk-on it is, is something that you have to be excited about for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at that that frame. He's a guy that I, I think uh, Ross Kalaji probably looked at and said, hey, if we can get him in the weight room, get him on uh, the strength and conditioning, bulk him up, and all of a sudden add to that frame, he's a player that uh, I think could certainly blossom into something for Wisconsin. And if if it doesn't work out, he's still a player that can come in, get a good education, and 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 possibly work into something more on the football side and, and not tie up a scholarship. So these walkouts make a lot of sense. I think it was absolutely telling that you know he had a walk-on opportunity in state. He had some scholarship opportunities at the FCS level to to end up at Wisconsin. He'll come in hungry and then likely wanting to to prove himself. So I think it's a great get for Wisconsin. I'm excited to see what he can do for the Badgers in the future. All right, up next. Well, you want to you want to talk. We'll just you want to do both the walk-ons first. You want to touch on Travis Alvin real quick before we get into uh, Chris Brooks and, and Bryce Carey. Yeah, let's do that. Um, really looking at him. He's a kid out of um, out of Randolph, so an in-state kid who decided to to come on. Probably going to be translating to a tight end um, for the Badgers. But you look at it, really had a bunch of different Division two opportunities, um, Division three opportunities. Ended up sticking with the Badgers, um, and, and once again, uh, a bigger frame, good practice body. We'll see if he can translate that into to being a, a, a contributor um, down the line, but Wisconsin has, has found success at Randolph before, um, and, and hopefully they can go ahead and, uh, and just kind of bulk this kid up and see what he can give them. Yeah, again, you know, these in-state walk-on kids especially are, are, are ones that – fit Wisconsin's mold, fit what they're looking for in that walk-on program, and the track record speaks for itself in, in that regard. So hopefully that can, same situation kind of help uh, and happen, and Travis Alvin will hopefully blossom into something that Wisconsin uh, can use at wherever he ends up. Athletic kid in state makes a ton of sense, and hopefully he'll blossom into something for the Badgers. All yeah. right. Oh, go ahead. You got anything to add? Right. I was just going to say, he's, a, he's also a basketball player. So okay. anytime you can get a multi-sport athlete from inside the state who bleeds red, that's what you want. Um, <laughs> and, and we'll see if he can can uh, can him make the most of the opportunity. All right. Up next, we've got uh, Travis – or excuse me, <laughs> Chris Brooks, Jr. Um, an interesting one in the 2022 class, three-star wideout, 
originally was committed to Yale. I know we've talked about him on the podcast uh, a while back when Wisconsin uh, made that initial offer to him back in December. Flips to Wisconsin, uh, comes to the visit this past weekend, and ends up announcing his commitment to the Badgers. Um, really an interesting kind of recruitment, of course. At going to Yale was very academic focused. Felt like he could come to Wisconsin and kind of get that same level of education and also play football at a high level. And, and really, as a player, this is a guy I think Wisconsin's got to be really excited about. Big frame. I think we now know that, that Alvis Witted kind of is looking for those bigger wideouts, 6'3", um, here for Chris Brooks. Good speed, good hands, and I think could really develop into something nicely at the Division One level. Um, out of St. Louis, a nice area for Wisconsin to kind of get back into in terms of recruiting. So I think this is a win-win across the board. But what do you make of the commitment from uh, 2022 wideout Chris Brooks? Yeah, I mean, Brooks was a guy who, similar to Kirschke, dad went on to find success, played at Nebraska. Um, but 6'3", like you mentioned, that that's – you know, ideal measurables for a wide receiver, um, whether he he sticks at wide receiver, becomes an H-back. I think I think you're seeing a guy who's got some some traits that you can work with, um, was the conference player of the year um, coming out of that Missouri area. Wisconsin's been recruiting that a lot more here recently. But, I mean, he, he had 21 total touchdowns, whether it be receiving or rushing, and, and over 1,000 yards. Um, of total offense. So he, he's a talented player that can probably give you a, a bunch of different looks. I, you got to love the size, though. And, and I think that he's a kid that you, you give him a couple of years to develop and 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 see what you got. I, I think that he's a, a talented player. He didn't have necessarily the, the huge offers that you would that you would normally see or get excited about. But the simple fact has been that he's dealt with some injuries throughout his high school career and has been committed to Yale since the summer. So he kind of shut his recruitment down, and it really was just uh, Wisconsin getting involved that, that kind of changed his mind there. Um, high academics, we'll, we'll see what he can bring to the Badgers. And I think, once again, the Badgers are really trying to overhaul and, and, and make some changes in that wide receiver room, Brooks being one of the guys that they're bringing in. Yeah, he's certainly an exciting name to, to keep an eye on. You know, you, you looked at him, he, a smart kid, and, and I'm glad that he was able to find that academic prowess that he was looking for at Wisconsin because that's likely what allowed the Badgers to win out in this situation because you mentioned he, he's been committed um, since the summer. He, he was clearly a guy that could have been very comfortable in where he was at, was going to Yale, was going to play football. That's a great opportunity So for Wisconsin to come in late and went out in, in such a short amount of time really, you know, speaks to that he had a clear connection with Wisconsin. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what he can do for that wide receiver room and, and uh, what he, what that frame brings to the Badgers. Because, again, 6'3", the height in that room is certainly trending upwards, and I think uh, this is a nice pickup for the Badgers in that 2022 group. Gives them a nice late little boost in what was the, the, uh, the final day of signing day, um, a nice 15th player in that pickup of that 2022 class. Yeah, absolutely. You got Tommy McIndosh at six five two ten. You've got Chris Brooks at six three two ten. You got Vinny Anthony at six foot, about a one seventy five. That's that's a varied approach to your wide receiver. Instead of kind of um, looking back this past year, outside of Jack Dunn being five seven, the rest of your wide receivers were basically about six foot and about one hundred ninety pounds. So a little bit of variability in that wide receiver room, I think, is a good thing. All right, up next we've got a new player in the transfer portal. So in, in addition with signing day, Wisconsin announced they'd officially signed six players via the transfer portal. There was one new name that we had not talked about before, and that's Bryce Carey out of Northern Illinois. 
is that his background's a little interesting. A native of Middleton, according to our write-up, was part of Northern Illinois in 2019, was not listed on the roster in 2020, and it, according to his LinkedIn profile, Drew went on a deep dive, has been at Wisconsin since 2020. So interesting situation. Looks like he's going to come into the Badgers as a walk-on, part of a part of the safety room. Um, he will not be playing quarterback, which he did um, in high school and partly at Northern Illinois. So going to come in secondary, of course, former ties in his family to Wisconsin. So it makes a ton of sense for him to end up here as a walk-on. Um, so interesting situation. What do you make of him and what he could maybe bring in terms of depth to that safety room? Yeah, definitely a, a roundabout way to, to end up at Wisconsin. But um, looking at it, Dad played for the Badgers back in the 80s. We'll, we'll see what he can do. Um, you know, I'm not going to all of a sudden say that he's going to end up being starting safety um, in two years. But I do think that he, he's a guy that you, you, you hope can find a, a niche on this team and, and give them something and, and fulfill his dream, you know, following his dad's footsteps. So overall, it, it's a move that um, as a walk-on kid coming in, playing at your dream school, it's, it's a dream come true for him, I'm sure. And um, for Wisconsin, it's a, it's a way to round out your roster a little bit and uh, find another kid that, you know, buy low on, see what he can turn into. Yep, I think it's a, a great add for depth, and we'll see what it can, you know, turn into more, of course, a guy with family ties and, and getting back to the area. Who knows what he might be able to bring, but certainly an opportunity where it's kind of a win-win for Wisconsin. Doesn't tie up a scholarship. You'll see what he can bring to the table, and uh, maybe maybe ends up being something for the safety room. Maybe ends up being a depth guy, special teams guy. Regardless, it's a it's a talented player that at the high school level, and we'll see what he can bring back to Wisconsin. All right, that wraps up a lot of football news. A lot of new players, a lot of new faces, a lot of things going on that we talked about. But we've also got to talk about a basketball game, and thankfully we could spend a lot more time on football because that basketball game was not pretty in in any way, shape, or form. Wisconsin really just struggled when you look at it. Things I know you do a year three things that stood out um, column after every game. This game, in terms of what stood out, was was the three point shooting. Wisconsin could not buy a three pointer. They were clanking them. The the noise of the rim was was. I don't know who tweeted. I don't know if it was you running the Twitter or Drew running the Twitter. But the uh, the one say the tweet saying the sounds of the rims from Champagne will haunt my sleep tonight. I think was a great definition of what that game was. That's kind of the main way to start, and then Kofi Coburn just, once again, Wisconsin struggled to figure out a uh, way to defend him. He's a great big, and, and really that was – I know you write up three things, but it was really kind of those two things that, that really stood out in in a big way um, yes, last, yesterday evening. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was. It was the play of Kofi Coburn, or Coburn who's, who's just absolutely had Wisconsin's number. Um, you know, he's averaging over 20 points and a double-double against the Badgers over the course of his career. I mean, I remember when he was a freshman and we were mm-hmm. talking on here about how he just absolutely abused Nate Reavers. So it, it's, it's, it's uh, no wonder that you then have a young, uh, young front court and He's just going to go to go to work. Um, I, I didn't necessarily think that he dropped 37 on 84 percent shooting, but um, you, you look at it between that and the inability to, to hit a three pointer um, at all. And I mean, they had open looks. It wasn't like they didn't have looks from three. They definitely settled at times for some three pointers that they didn't, didn't need to. Um, but really looking at it, they had quality looks. I, I didn't count how many of them were wide open, but there. Was I would say at least half where we're looking mm. that you're like, yep, that's a that's a good attempt. This isn't forcing a three pointer, and they just weren't falling. Um, and then it goes for even some two 
point jump shots. Johnny Davis, just his mid-range game, which had been on for so long, just nothing was falling for him. He did almost he did half his damage from the free throw line as he just couldn't get it going offensively beyond that. And so looking at it, these types of games happen on the road. It, it just really does. You know, when I tweeted out the, the thing about the rims, you just heard that sound over and over <laughs> yeah, because the Johnson was, was throwing it off the rim the whole time. Um, but, man, I just – you look at this game, it's hard to – get too mad or upset about this game because these types of shooting struggles are going to happen at, at times, especially for a team that's not known for their shooting prowess. Um, I don't think you normally are going to see them shooting 12.5% and, and going, you know, 3 of 24 um, going forward. But at the same time, I do think that they're going to be just fine. They lost in a, in a, on the road against a very good team that's also um, was pushing for first in the conference for a reason and and didn't have an answer for, for one of their best players in the Big Ten. That that sounds like anything that could happen to any team any given night in the Big Ten based off of what we've seen so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned the shooting woes. They, they were good looks and, and a lot of them. And I think that's a, a key point is that it's got to it's gotta be kind of a helpless feeling to, you know, you're, you're getting open shots. It's not like Illinois was playing this this defense that was completely shutting him down and making every look difficult. Wisconsin was getting open looks, so sometimes there's not really much you can do to change that. You're you're working your offense, you're getting open shots, they're just not going through <laughs> through the net. That's uh, it's a tough feeling, and and that's kind of what it felt, um, you know, all night last night, where it just was hit and rim, it just wasn't going down. And what more can you really do? And if you're not knocking down shots consistently in this league, it's tough to win, especially when you're looking at the other end. I mean. I'm trying to contain Kobe Coburn. It's just been uh, a nightmare for years. I'm glad you brought up that that Nate Reavers, uh, the original game with with Reavers and Coburn, because I remember us getting on this podcast and just I almost felt bad for Nate Reavers because he was kind of in a helpless position, and that was really before Kobe Coburn had kind of taken off, and all of a sudden he just came out and dominated and showed that he was going to be a force in this league, and it hasn't changed since then. I mean, it's just he's a tough matchup. Wisconsin doesn't really have uh, a guy that. Can, can really take on that role and, and guard him. So you knew he was going to get his, but when you're struggling on the offensive end and he's playing like that, it, that's a really tough recipe to win. So what can you really do about it? You know, you, nothing you can really do. you got to get just kind of flush this performance and look forward to try and get some things right against Penn State this weekend. So a tough loss. Certainly you wanted to go in there and pick up a win. That would have been, you know, first place in the Big Ten. All accolades that you want to get to, but – Still plenty of season left. Wisconsin will have other opportunities, including, you know, you got Michigan State coming up next week. So the opportunities will still be there. They've got to bounce back and, and not let this one faster too much. Yeah, and and we don't want to, you know, move the goalposts on this team. This team going in, mm-hmm. everybody would have been absolutely ecstatic if we would have said that Wisconsin was 17-4 and four and 8-3 and three in the Big Ten. And so I think perspective on this is is really big but the second that I saw Coburn do that that fade away off one foot from the free throw line and it went I was like this is over like and that was like early in the game I was like if he's hitting that he's on some stuff tonight and just gonna go crazy and and sure enough um I, I think Wisconsin is gonna be in a better spot shooting wise you, you gotta imagine that they're gonna be hit hitting uh, the practice court and putting up a ton of shots to get back um, to where they were. I liked seeing Tyler Wall aggressive in the first half. You, you saw him um, with, with 12 at halftime 
he just kind of non-existent in the second half. Credit to Illinois for kind of taking him away. But you also would have loved to have seen him be a little bit more assertive as well. I thought that was one thing. He did some damage inside. I do think Wisconsin at times went away from the post. Where they, at the very least, get those post touches to work the ball inside out. Um, I think that would have been one thing that I would have liked to have seen offensively. They were a little too perimeter-oriented at times. Um, and, and part of that was because they have – um, the guy inside there with Coburn to, to protect the rim. It's hard to to, to see um, some of your bigs make those moves inside against a guy like him. But overall, this is these types of games are going to happen. Wisconsin statistically across most metrics was right there. This game was right there. And uh, the, the three-point shooting and the fact that they were within it at all for large chunks. I mean, they had it down to six points um, mm-hmm. midway through the, the second half. Um, despite not having hit a three-pointer, um, it, it was telling about how good Wisconsin really overall was kind of keeping themselves in this. But um, bad shooting performances, inability to stop one of the best players in the Big Ten, it, it's going to happen um, overall. It, it's a loss, but but luckily you only play Illinois one time this year. Yeah, that's that's certainly a plus. We'll see if they meet in the Big Ten tournament at all, but. That uh, you know that team is now off your radar, and you can you know, focus in on Penn State, Michigan State teams upcoming here. So it should be a fun next couple of weeks for the Badgers, and hopefully, like you mentioned, I'm glad that's a good point. Perspective is key with this team. All of a sudden, you know, third place in the Big Ten, competing for a top four spot. Not anything that anyone expected coming into the year. So hopefully, they can uh, continue to uh, bounce back, get back in the win column, and uh, pick up a big one against Penn State. Uh, any other positives? I guess Lauren Bowman played all right, led the team in, in plus-minus. He was okay. They did hang around, which I think is nicely, but he was maybe the, the few other bright spots in this game. You know, he, He's finally giving you something off the bench that I think you could feel good about. We've talked about the bench performance so many times over the last over the course of the entire season. They just don't have a lot. The Chris Vogt off the bench was hitting the glass all right. And, and so there's, there's some little layers that you can take from in an otherwise – you know, doom and gloom type of game. There, there are some positives you can certainly take, and and hopefully that will roll over into their next contest on Saturday against the Indy Lions. Wisconsin's bench outscored Illinois, which which is, <laughs> is I didn't look at it, but it might be one of the only times this year that the Wisconsin bench has outscored uh, an opponent. Um, don't quote me on that, but um, I, I like I, like you said, Lauren Bowman. I thought he actually put together one of his better games of the year. Uh, I liked how Wisconsin's um, reserves hit the glass offensively. Um, w- was a, a big a big thing for this team. Um, but but really, when you have two of your best three point shooters in and uh, in Crowell and Davison combined to go over ten, it, it's going to be tough to win. Yeah, certainly a tough recipe for the Badgers. Hopefully they can uh, flush this one, forget about it, get in the gym, knock down some shots, and be ready to go at home. Uh, Cole Center should be nice to get back to uh, against Penn State on Saturday. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening to a ton of football talk and getting rid of and purging that Illinois game from your system. We'll, of course, be back with you next week. Plenty more football to get to, plenty of basketball to get to next week. So, as always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin.